Amen. Thank you so much, both of you. I don't know just how much you realise how spot on the harmony of those two passages are. Ian, your prayer um, basically is my sermon today. Um, so if you want to know what I'm going to speak about and you don't want to listen, you can just tune out now. Uh, the heart that Ian brought in that prayer is where we're going today um, as we talk about um, this passage, Revelation 21, but more than that, about this hope for the whole world. Last week, I spoke about the hope, the Christian hope, the real hope we have for every believer. This, this week, it's about the hope, actually, that doesn't just descend, uh, remain with us, but it is a hope that's so much bigger. It's a hope for the whole world. And let me start by telling you a personal story, because 19 years ago, I caught a glimpse of something. It's something I've never been able to forget and something which has changed my life from that moment until this and always will continue to shape my life forever. When I was 16 years old, sat in my bedroom for the first time. I caught a glimpse of God's huge heart and God's incredible plan for our future and for the future of this world. And I can tell you this morning, I can let you in on a secret. It's huge. It's amazing. It's magnificent. It's glorious. It's more wonderful than we could ever, ever imagine. It's life changingly inspiring. You see, that day I opened my Bible as a 16 year old to Revelation 21 and I read this chapter of the great vision of John the Apostle on the island of Patmos that he received from God. This vision of the things that are yet to come at this point. And as I read, it was as if the curtains of my understanding were flung wide open. I don't know if we can get that picture up, Leilani. It was. It was like I could now see the most incredible view of who God was and where God was taking all who would follow him. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And I understood then that the day was coming when earth and heaven itself will be utterly transformed and renewed. A new way of living would come into existence. The old order of things gone. A new way. And I knew at 16 that life right now was hard for so many. I had experienced my own hurt, brokenness, sorrow, struggles and pain. And I'd witnessed in my own family, let alone in the world all around, loss and bereavement and genuine suffering. But I read that day that God was one day going to dwell with us face to face. And on that day, he will personally wipe every tear from our eyes. And death and mourning and crying and pain would be gone forever. For the old order of things will have passed away. On that day, we will live in the fullness of the kingdom of God that Ian was uh, longing for in that prayer. 
Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That is what happens on that day as heaven and earth join and the fullness of God's presence, the fullness of his love and compassion for me and you for this whole created world would be known and it would never be taken from us. And I remember reading this next sentence with tears in my eyes. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Write these words down, for they are trustworthy and true. I realised in that moment that this was going to happen. However difficult it may be for us to believe that in the situation we're in now, as we look around the world today, these were God's words. This is God's promise. This is God's plan. And it will come to pass. It is our journey, our destination, our future. My prayer this morning is that you and I would once again be fired up by the full vision of God's heart and plan for this world. We'd be fired up as we fling wide the curtains and realise the fullness of the call on our lives to be part of seeing this future kingdom break into our world today. Fired up to see lives transformed by Jesus, by his compassion, by his presence now, not just then. You see, last week I spoke about the fullness of our Christian hope for every believer. A hope that every single person who puts their trust in Jesus Jesus can know. Jesus right at the centre of it all. This isn't a hope just to endure this physical life and then to scrape away into some floaty place called heaven and be disconnected and go, oh, well, I didn't care about it all anyway. No, but rather because Jesus died and rose again, a bodily resurrection. The tomb was empty. Not only has he won our forgiveness, Not only has he paid for all our mess and mistakes, not only has he cleared the way for us to have a relationship with God in this life now, but he actually defeated the power, the curse of sin and death on us and on the world. And he ushered in, in his resurrection, the first fruits, the first taste, the power of resurrection life breaking into this life now. And this means that when we die, Friends, we do go to be with Jesus in heaven and it is more wonderful than you could ever imagine. But that even isn't our final resting place, according to the scriptures. No, we're awaiting the day when Jesus will come again to the earth and bring his good and honest and true and righteous judgment to the living and the dead and create all things new. And then we too, just like him, will rise again. And have a new body, as the Bible talks about, you can read it's extraordinary, transformed body and live a life of love and creativity and joy and wonder in this renewed creation where heaven and earth are finally one and God dwells with us face to face forevermore. This is the fullness of our Christian hope. This is the big picture of the Bible. And here is a big picture picture which can help us understand it. Here it is, a big picture picture. Can we bring that up, Leilani? A big picture picture. Here you go. It's creation. It's not creation, fall, redemption and escape. It's creation, fall, redemption and restoration or even renewal, recreation, restoration. Creation was never a dirty mistake by God, friends, but his delight. It came from his heart, from his joy, from his creativity to bring him glory. 
And we were the pinnacle of it. It's not arrogant to say that. It's what God says of us. Called to the joy of getting to know God's heart as he dwelt with us, living in God's peace and blessing. And it was our great privilege to be called to show God's compassion for all his much loved creations. We tended it and ruled over it with love. Unlike anything else, we were made in God's image. And that meant we were given a special place of care over his creation. But even though we have utterly stuffed this up, friends, and we have, all of us, because of Jesus, that will one day be the case again. We just read about it in Revelation 21. God will dwell with us again. Creation will be made right again. The day is coming when he restores once more the intimacy of our relationship with God face to face. As he restores our relationship with all creation, as it was supposed to be, it will once again be, where we live a life of embodied joy and hope and creativity and peace, and we reflect the Father's heart and his beauty and his creativity towards all that he has made. This is the great hope we have. Why we speak of Jesus coming again and the resurrection of the body. This has always been the core of the Christian faith. We haven't always realised it, I don't think. But here are some thoughts this morning for you to chew on as we fling wide the curtains and realise the wonder of God's mission to save and transform not just me, but the whole world. And the first is our created world has a place in God's future. You see, often as Christians, we can fall into mistake of condemning the whole created order, deciding somehow it's dirty and destined for destruction, that this is actually Plato. This isn't the Bible. Uh, And yet, whilst the Bible tells us not to be shaped by godless values, to be careful of the desires physical of this world that can twist us and pull us away from God, the Bible makes it clear that the earth itself was created by God and our call has always been to care for it. But we have so often failed. We've sought to dominate and exploit rather than tend and care. We've used creation for our own gain rather than to reflect God's glory, to further our own needs. Rather than reflect God's heart, we've reflected our own greed. And sadly, in thinking, well, God's going to bin it anyway, we've even at times sought to justify this by our faith. The Bible says that God's not done with the world yet. We heard it in our reading. It says he's not going to bin it, but that the created world will actually have a place in God's future plans for us all. Yes, he's going to radically transform it. We heard that from the passage. Indeed, he's going to make all things new, it says. The old order of things will be no more. But this word for making new in Greek is a Greek word called kainos. And it has the sense of something renewed or made fresh again. Not something created from scratch or ex nihilo, as the Latin scholars like to say. The word is used when the Bible says that you and I have been made new in Jesus. We are a new creation. We are transformed and yet our memories are not wiped clean. Our personalities and gifts are not uh, binned, but we're transformed and refreshed and made even better than before. The best of the old us is redeemed and brought into the new and And that's what the Bible suggests God is going to do with creation. He's going to take up all that is good, mend all that has been broken, hurt and spoiled by sin and renew and transform it in a way that makes it more beautiful than ever before. There will be radical difference, radical transformation. But there will also be an ongoing recognisability 
recognizability, an ongoing recognizable continuity. There you go. Let's have that as the language. Basically, it will still be, in essence, the created world that we know now. This world has a place in God's future, this world. So should we sit back and wait for it to happen? As a people of God, should we kind of order a, a jumbo pack of popcorn, get the hot dogs out, put our feet up and watch as the world just gets abused around us. The created order gets ignored and neglected. And then when God comes and transforms it all and makes it better again, do we sit and clap and go, that was brilliant, God, well done. But no. That's not the call of scripture. That's not the call Jesus placed on our lives. If we understand firstly God's heart and intention for his creation, then we too, as those filled with his spirit, should not abuse it today, but care for it in the way we were always called to do. You see, the Bible says that our sin, our human sin, has affected the created order right now. And perhaps more than ever before, we can see that. I didn't know Ian was going to pray about climate change. But we can see it, can't we? Our overconsumption, our pollution of the seas with plastic, mass extinction of so many of God's, not ours, God's, extraordinary creatures that he's made because of us. The way we treat and abuse animals for our gain, the population or the pollution we're prepared to chuck up into the atmosphere year after year after year in the name of human progress, but which is now leading to a change in our climate, which is bringing about catastrophic consequences. Weather changes, droughts and floods that threaten to hurt not only the environment, not only animals, wildlife and their habitats, but also so many of the lives and livelihoods of those in the poorest nations around the world. A human disregard for God's good creation isn't just a matter to be dismissed as a leftist agenda for tree huggers and jumper wearing environmentalists. It is a matter that should be taken seriously by all of God's people who are filled with his spirit, who care about justice and know the value of the world God has made. It should be, it should matter to a people who have been called to tend it and care for it by their creator. And what's more, we need to realise that our future and the world's future are intertwined. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 8 that just as we long for our bodies to be renewed and transformed, the earth is groaning too, just like us, waiting for itself to be liberated from its bondage and decay. And more than this, Paul says that creation's actually waiting, not just for God to do some great thing, but he makes it clear that it's waiting for us to fulfill our original call, to be God's loving representatives in this world. Paul writes this, the whole creation in Romans 8 has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It waits in eager expectation. What for? For the children of God to be revealed. Isn't that fascinating? Friends, it is God who will transform all things, not us. It is God whose spirit brings the kingdom, not ours. But he has called us and chosen us as his children to be part of his kingdom plans. So much so that the creation is waiting for the children of God to be revealed. Waiting for our original mandate to be fulfilled that we would once again be the image bearers of God that we always have been. But we would live up to that. Those who know his heart and care for and tend his beautiful world. Climate change has begun to matter to so many because we realise it's going to cost us. But you know it's always mattered to God, I believe. 
And it should have always mattered to us and should matter to us now. But Matt, and I'll be quick as I can, if if the world is going to be renewed by Jesus anyway, what real difference does it make what we do in this life? Isn't it like arranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? Well, unlike the Titanic, we know the world's not just going down and just going to be thrown away, not going to be destroyed. But I want to share another biblical thought with you, that our kingdom work today actually has eternal value and eternal consequences. Now, this is part of the mystery of the gospel. And again, I could do an entire sermon on this one. This is deep and tricky to get our heads around because it's not easy to explain in human language. Um, Jesus will one day transform all things to be radically different. And until that day, the fullness of the kingdom has not come. But from the very first moment Jesus began to teach and preach on this earth, he demonstrated that what we do and how we live as spirit-filled followers matter. He told us to pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done, expecting that through our prayers and our actions, how we lived, how we outworked, look at the Sermon on the Mount, might reflect more of God's kingdom and be part of a foretaste of that kingdom breaking in now. Our actions have eternal consequences. And there are other passages I could point you to. 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul is talking about the future kingdom to come, he says, therefore, don't give up on your work today, because what you do now is not in vain. It matters for eternity. And in 1 Corinthians 3, in a tricky passage, he talks about the way we're able in this life to build things that will be tested in the future With fire, he uses that imagery, and that which burns away will be gone, but that which remains will bring great joy in the future. It's as if what we do now does somehow have an impact and matters. And again, in Revelation 21, as it talks about this new city, this beautiful Jerusalem, it says that in some way, the honour and the glory of the human nations will be brought into it and part of it. Our work has eternal value don't mishear me it's all jesus but he's chosen to do some of this through us by his holy spirit it's like when my son helps me to paint the fence in the garden a little bit i'm there painting the whole thing and he's just got a little brush and he's just doing swirly whirlies in the corner he does a tiny little bit but that tiny little bit counts and it's still on my fence in the garden now and in fact, it's more than that. That's, that's a limited example. That's just an insight. Because actually, together, by the Spirit with us, God has given his people enormous potential to do some wonderful things, to have genuine impact. He's given us gifts and skills and creativity. And he's called us to see God's breakthroughs, to see lives transformed, filled with faith, to genuinely make an eternal difference. And that doesn't just mean about how we care for creation, friends. But in the ways we're inspired by God's vision of the kingdom to come and empowered to bring about a foretaste of God's kingdom today in all sorts of ways. You see, in the kingdom, there's no injustice. So we fight against injustice today. In the kingdom, there's no hunger. And so we look to fight against and change the causes of hunger and poverty. There's no suffering and pain, as we read. So we support and look for medical care and we pray for miraculous healing. And in the kingdom, there's no brokenness or orphans or families broken or outcasts. And so we work with the most vulnerable in our society as Christians. Each generation of believers has to realize that in some way our efforts contribute to God's kingdom. Our efforts for God's kingdom matter as we join with Carey and Wilberforce and Spurgeon and Muller and Luther King and Tutu and countless others 
who not only proclaimed Jesus with their mouths, but saw part of his kingdom values breaking in a foretaste of his kingdom as they fought against injustice and slavery and poverty and racism and segregation, the structures of greed and violence throughout our world today. So being part of his kingdom breaking in through our actions is what we're called to be. It's an extraordinary truth. The world right now, the Bible says, is influenced by principalities and powers that rob, kill, steal and destroy. Far from the goodness that God intended for his creation and for humanity. And our call as the children of God with the authority he gives is to declare in word and deed enough is enough. And filled with God's spirit to be part of God, bringing about the values and reality of his kingdom in the world today. And no, we're not trying to earn our salvation through works. Friends, this is still all about God's grace. You cannot impress God. You can't make him love you anymore. This isn't about faith and deeds. This is about faith outworked in action. There's a passage in Ephesians 2 which puts it perfectly. Listen to this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Don't get this wrong. For we are God's masterpiece. He made us. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that we, you and I, can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If you've given your life to Jesus, then you are God's masterpiece, created anew to do the good things now that he's planned for you long ago. Things that have eternal value. And I need to be quick here because we need to now move to communion. But I want to say this, Matt, maybe you're saying I feel so inadequate. I can't do everything. And the truth is, you're right, you can't. Jesus is the one in charge of all of this, not us. It would just blow our minds. It would be too much and overwhelming. But I want to say again, your contribution matters, however big or small. I believe he has a particular part for each of us to to play and actually often makes it known to us by stirring up a particular passion within us. As we heard today, the passion he stirred in Carl and Sally that they want to share with us and help us as a church to intercede for is the persecuted church. And then there are others like Gordon and Lisa Westlake who've been stirred by the passion of refugees, of wanting to see them rehomed and cared for. And in that way, God's kingdom comes. And in the when we pray for the persecuted church, God's kingdom comes. And it's like those like Lisa and the cafe team who bring hope and joy and hospitality whilst offering prayer and conversation to those in our village. It's part of the kingdom breaking in. Or like our Alpha team, or Cosmic team, or Youth team, or Hospitality team, Prayer team, Parents and Toddlers, Flower team, the list could go on. So I want to ask you, what is the passion God's stirring in your heart to be part of his kingdom breaking in? What's your part in his kingdom work? Don't ignore it. It matters. Respond. And it's not just in what we would call church life traditionally, because God's heart is for all his creation. For God, there isn't this segregation. 
political justice, ecology, affordable and decent homes, medical provision, miraculous healing, the individual soul, the struggling student, the single mother in debt, the businessman secretly struggling with his mental health. All of these things matter to God. And we want to say, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in all of these areas. And so God calls us to seek his kingdom in every area of society. Each one of us with different passions and opportunities, whether we be involved in politics or retail or farming or sports and leisure or hospitality, whether we're a grandparent or a parent or an auntie or an uncle, whether we work or don't work at the moment, whatever it might be we do, not one of the, these areas is separate from God. If we're an artist or a musician, it's not separate from God's kingdom. None of these areas are outside the transformation of God's kingdom. Each of us can be shaped. Each of us as his people can shape these areas to bring about justice and care, improved livelihoods, to touch individuals and to bring about change, the change of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven today. So what's the difference, Matt, to the rest of the world? Well, the difference is that you and I are filled with God's spirit. The spirit of transformation, the spirit of recreation, the spirit that brooded over the waters at the beginning of creation and will be involved in the transformation of all things in that day yet to come. But the spirit that is at work today in you and through you. And as you draw near to God's heart and you hear his passion, he will break your heart for the things that break his. And so cry out and ask for the opportunities in your workplace, in your everyday lives. Lord, give me opportunities to share the values of justice, of goodness, of love, of grace, of your kingdom. And don't think just because you're called to politics or education that you're not also got the opportunity to speak to individuals about Jesus. You do. It's not just the privilege of the evangelist. Get intentional. Ask God to stir in you his spirit and ask God by his spirit to give you opportunities to speak to people, to talk to them about your story, to listen to their story, to share something about the king who loves you and the plan he has for you and for this whole world, the plan he has for them, what he's done for them, what he will do for them and how they can respond. Friends, we should be able to say as individuals and as a church that because we exist, because of the spirit of God at work within us, we will see lives transformed by the presence and compassion of Jesus today. We will see parts of our society transformed, our industries, our workplaces, our families and communities and villages transformed by the presence and compassion of Jesus. Nineteen years ago, I flung open the curtains and I caught a glimpse of something that changed my life forever. And I said, Lord, if that's your heart and that's your plan, I want to be part of it. I want to follow you. And I gave my life to Jesus. If you want to be part of his plan, to know his love and forgiveness, and to realize that you can play your part as he fills you with his spirit in his work and the bringing of his kingdom, then give your life to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus and let him flood you with the hope of the Christian gospel. It's extraordinary and it's true. 
and it's where we're all headed. Let's each one of us give him our yes again today. He's calling you and me to use us as a church and as individuals to be part of his kingdom coming.